lots of trials that we're going to have to uh, go through and that we're going to uh, need to have our faith um, in the right place in order for us to make it. And so uh, this is about, uh, about, you know, building yourself up, being built to last. If you have been with us any time over the course of the last eight weeks, you know we've been teaching about faith. Amen. We've been talking about faith and not just not like faith, like I believe there's a God. but We're talking about the, the God kind of faith, the kind of faith that allows you to produce something uh, from nothing. Someone says, what do you mean? I mean, the, the Bible says that uh, the world, the world we live in was produced from a word. And, and you are the architect of your life. And God wants you to learn how to use your faith so that you can build your own life using the words that he's given us. Amen. And so. Um, there's a there's a couple of things we've been talking about. We've been talking about uh, just about how important it is to be obedient to God. And I love what Pastor Sean said this morning. She said the quickest way to derail your faith is to be disobedient to God. The quickest way. And not because God gives up on you. He never gives up on you. But what happens is your conscience, that soul part of you, begins to condemn you for not doing what you know you were supposed to do. And so being obedient to God is, is extremely important. But I want to let you know that even if you mess up, and she said it, we mess up sometimes. How many of you can be honest and know you mess up sometimes? Amen? And if you didn't raise your hand, you just messed up because you lied. Amen? <laughs> we, we all mess up sometimes. It's just, it's just the way it is. But God knew that. God doesn't throw us away because we blow it. Amen? And so it's really important because what I'm going to talk about today, I don't want you to think about it in terms of this only applies to me because I'm perfect. It applies to you because Jesus is perfect. What we're going to talk about today applies to you because of what Jesus has done in your life already. Now, how many of you know that the Bible tells us that if we believe in the Lord Jesus, uh, we believe that we believe, in, we believe in God, we believe in his son, and that he was, he was, he was born and he died, he was raised up three days later. The Bible says if you would confess with your mouth that you shall be saved. Amen? So salvation is not a requirement that we have to do things so right in order to get saved. It's just about believing. And so if you have the ability to believe and be saved, you have the same ability to believe and receive through faith. And so I don't want you to think that faith is something difficult. Faith is not difficult. You, you display the most uh, awesome level of faith when you decided to give your life to Christ. When you, when you made a decision that you were going to, and I know it sounds funny when I say it and people kind of think I'm mocking and I'm not, but when you decided that you were going to put all of your trust for eternity into a man who was born from a virgin. Okay? You, you put all your marbles on that plate, and you said, I'm going to believe that this man who I've never seen was born from a virgin, that he died and that he rose and that he's somewhere now on the right hand of, of a father I've never seen and never heard. But I'm going to put all my marbles in that. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, that's faith. It is, and I'm with you. I believe that. I put every, everything I got, I put on that because I believe that that is the truth, and the great thing about the truth is that you get to believe what the truth is. Amen? How I many know it's just as easy to believe the truth as it is to believe a lie? And so we believe then that the Bible is the Word of God, and as the Word of God, we believe what it has to say about us. Amen? So I'm going to give you two scriptures this morning, and then we're going to get started in, in the actual teaching. The first one's going to be Jeremiah 29 and 11. Very familiar scripture, Jeremiah 29 and 11. And the reason we're going to start here is because I need you to know that God has a plan for your life. God has a plan designed for you. 
It's a plan that's designed for you to, to, to have an expected end. The Bible says in Jeremiah 29 and 11, he says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. He says, don't think I don't know about your life. He says, I've already considered your life. In fact, earlier in Jeremiah, he says, before you were ever born or ever conceived in your mother's womb, I already had a thought about your life. He says, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. What kind of thoughts are they? Thoughts of what? Peace and not of evil to give you what? An expected end. One translation says a hope and a great outcome. Now, this word peace here is the same word that we use in the Hebrew language called shalom. The word shalom means nothing missing, nothing broken. So he says, I know the thoughts that I think toward you, said the Lord. They are thoughts of you having nothing missing and nothing broken in your life. Now, how many of you like to have a life with nothing missing and nothing broken? Amen. Well, if God is thinking it towards you, the only way not to get it is to think other than what God's thinking. Because God says, I think this about you. And how many of you know if God thinks something, you can't stop it from happening? So if God is thinking this about me, then the plan has already been laid for me to have a life full of peace, nothing missing, nothing broken. So if I got broken things in my life, I have to ask myself, why are things broken? And typically things are broken because we have not decided to agree with the word of God. But when you agree with the word of God, nothing can stop you. Now, I want you to look at Psalms 18. Psalms 18. This will be our second one, and then we'll get into our teaching. Psalms 18. Psalms 18. Verse number 30. Now, I'm a firm believer, and it may be because of my education background, but I'm a firm believer that when it comes time to learning something, you have to exhaust the subject. Amen? And so... When, when I am learning about faith, I don't care how many times I read a scripture. If the Lord says read again, I go back and read again. Amen? Because I want to make sure that I'm getting everything out of it. The word of God is alive. The word of God is, is, is living. Amen? The word of God is living. And so I want you to see this. Psalms uh, 18, uh, verse 30. Now notice what it says. It says, ask for God. What do we know about God? His way is what? And the word of the Lord is what? He is a shield to all those who trust in him. Now, I don't know about you, but that makes me, I get giddy inside when I read that. Because notice what he says. He says, ask for God. Now, you may know some folk who ain't perfect. You may know some folk who show not proven. And you know some folk who ain't going to protect you for nothing. But the Bible says, ask for God. His way is what? Perfect. So it may not make sense to me, but it doesn't mean it's not perfect to God. Because there are things God has asked me to do that doesn't make sense in my natural senses. But if God has said go that way, it's because that way is a perfect way. So it says, as for God, his way is perfect. It says the word of the Lord is what? Proven. In other words, Pastor used to say it like this. We've all made a mistake, right? Raise your hand if you ever made a mistake. Okay, watch this. God never has. So if I got, so if you got to put, if you got to put your uh, decision on you or God, which one should you go with? God. Because why? His way is what? Proven. And it says he is a shield to all those who trust in him. In other words, when it says he's a shield, it's like if you, this is the way I see it. If I put my trust in God and God tells me to go a certain way and I go that way, even if calamity comes, I don't have to fight the calamity because God's going to protect me because he's the one I'm trusting in. 
So it's, 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 you ever watch those space movies? It's, it's, it's like a force field. God is my force field when I go the direction he tells me to go. So I can go down a path that's littered with pitfalls, that's littered with enemies, that's littered with everything that wants to harm me. But if I'm going that way because God told me to go, then I'm going to be protected. We see the opposite of this with Jonah. Jonah says, man, I'm not going to Nineveh. I'm not, I don't want to go that way. I'm going to go the opposite direction. And what happens to Jonah? He goes the opposite direction. He spends three days and three nights where? In the belly of a great fish. Why? Because there was no protection there. Now, had he went to Nineveh, there wouldn't have been an issue. So sometimes you're asking yourself, God, why did you let me go? Why, why are you letting this happen to me? He's not letting it happen to you. You're choosing not to go the path he told you to go. See, sometimes we get so uh, smart and so intellectual that we outthink God. We, 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 seem, we, 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 we think that somehow doing it our way is going to produce success even though God said don't do it that way. God says don't fuss with your spouse. But we say, oh no, they're they going to hear me. God says, don't, don't berate your kids. You're going to tell them their self-esteem. No, a kid needs to listen to an adult. Because what happens is we decide that we're going to do it our way. God says, give. You say, I got other things I got to consider. And what happens is we then do the opposite of what God says. We find ourselves in trouble. And guess who we call out to? God. Now, see, tell your neighbor, say, neighbor. See, and you gotta tell you gotta be serious. Say so you better be glad, better be glad. that I ain't like God. <laughs> you should be really glad. Because a lot of folk, if you if they if they say, hey, look, don't do that, and then you do it, and then you call out to them, what they gonna say? I told you not to do it anyway. But how I many you know God doesn't do that? The Bible says that the children of Israel, that they got into captivity, that God delivered them. They got back into captivity. God delivered them. They got back into captivity and cried out to God. And again, on the third time, guess what God did? Delivered them. But you ought not want to live your life having to always be rescued. You ought not always want to have to live your life always want to be rescued because you're too hard-headed and too disobedient to just follow God. Isn't that the same thing you tell your kids? You tell your kids, and I used to hate when they said this, I don't want to whoop you because whooping you hurts me more than it hurts you. I was like, no, it don't, because if it did, you let me whoop you. But literally, God doesn't whoop us, but it pains him to see his children being whooped because they won't obey him. And see, the thing is, sometimes we think, well, God should just make us do the right thing, but then he wouldn't be a father. Then he wouldn't be loved. He'd be a dictator. He, he, he'd, be, he'd be a person who was just lording over you, making you do right. It gives the Lord pleasure when you decide to follow him. When you decide to go the way of the Lord. And so this morning, I want to talk to you for a few minutes from this, from this series called Built to Last. Because I'm telling you, once you're born again, the most important thing for you to learn is how to live by faith. And I say that over and over again. The Bible says that all the promises of God are received by faith. Now, it's not just, and I don't know, if, you know, if you watch television and, and there's such a bad rap about prosperity, prosperity gospels, uh, preachers on TV. But let me help you. Let, let me just, let's just, just, just throw this out here. The gospel is prosperity. Okay? Because prosperity is not just money. How many of you want to be healthy? 
That's being prosperous in your health. How many of you want to have a good relationship? That's being prosperous in your relationships. How many of you want to do well on your job and get promoted and all the things that you get rewarded for for doing the right work? Amen? That's being prosperous in your vocation. And so the gospel is really called the good news. And what it really means is the too good to be true news. That's how good this word is. This word to us is so good, it's almost too good to be true. But tell your neighbor, say, it is true. And so what happens is, is that you, once you get born again, as Pastor Sean said earlier, the devil couldn't stop you from being born again. Well, if he couldn't stop you from being born again, he can't cause you to be unborn again. And I know in church we use this whole thing about, you know, backsliding and, 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 and recommitting and all these things. But the reality of it is the Bible says it very simply. It says you were born of an incorruptible seed. Now, the word incorruptible is self-explanatory. It means it cannot be corrupted. So if I am born of something that cannot be corrupted, I am going to be the way I am no matter what. The problem is, is that you live a whole life here before you get to heaven. And so you ought not live like hell here waiting to get to heaven. The Bible says you ought to have days of heaven on earth. And so in order to do that, your life has to line up the same way things work in heaven. Amen. And so that's why I wanted to begin teaching this this morning, because I think it's vitally important. So I want you to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. That's where we're going to start. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I want to give you some scripture today, uh, and I do want you to jot it down. I'll come back and we'll teach this a little more. But I'm telling you, as I started just really getting into this uh, the last couple of weeks, I'm telling you, it has, it has reinvigorated my faith. I found places where I had let things slip. And how many of you know if you're not careful, that happens to all of us. Uh, it's, it's, it's the same way with anything. If you don't pay attention to it, if you don't, if you don't uh, attune to it, then what happens is you, you end up kind of forgetting about it. Amen? It's the reason we tell married couples all the time, you got to have date night. Because if you don't, before you know it, you, you'll let the relationship slip. Amen? And so the same thing is true with the word. you got to date the word sometimes. <laughs> you need to schedule you a date where you can sit down for an hour or two and you can read the word. Amen. Now, look, let me help you. And this is a great weekend to talk about it. Folks make plans for whatever they want to do. Amen. Folk make plans to come up to the hill to celebrate Black Alumni Society weekend. They made, they got hotel reservations. They had an itinerary for where they wanted to go. They knew who they wanted to see. They knew where they wanted to eat. Nothing stopped them from making a plan, right? So if nothing stops you from making a plan to do that, nothing stops you from making a plan to read your word. How, how, watch this, and I want you to respond. How many hours are there in a day? See, everybody knows, so they don't sleep, but they don't slip up on you. Oh, it's only 13 today. I didn't get a chance to read my word. Right? Everybody knows it's 24. It's been 24 for a long time. It's going to be 24. So all you got to do is plan, amen? Because whatever is important to you, you make plans for you make plans for. So during the week, I got to figure out, when am I going to study my word? Because I make time to watch Scandal. I make time to watch Empire. Come on, somebody. Yes. I make plans. I, I, know, I know on Thursday at 8 o'clock what I'm going to be doing. But I also know during the week when I'm going to study my word. And so you cannot live your life planning everything else but the, but the one thing that has the most benefit to you. Now, 1 Corinthians 3 9 says this. It says, For we are laborers. That means we work together. We're co workers. Together with who? That means God's not going to do it all. 
So, so if something's going to happen in your life, God's, not, God's looking for a partner. He's looking for somebody who's going to partner with him. It says, for we are laborers together with God, yea, are, we are God's husbandry, or we are, literally one translation said, we are God's field, okay? We are, we are the field in which God gets to plant seeds so that a harvest can grow. He then says, you are God's building. You are God's building. In other words, you are the place where the Holy Spirit is housed so the miraculous things can take place. So you have to understand, you don't get to just come to church and hear word. You don't get to come to church and just sing song. You don't get to just come to church and give. You have to do something involving your life. you got to partner with God. He says, you are God's husbandry. You are God's field. How many of you know a field has to be tended to? If you got a garden, you can't plant seeds in the garden and you just never come back. What's going to happen? Weeds are going to get in that garden. And if weeds get in the garden, it's going to kill the harvest. Well, the same thing is true with you. You got to be partnering with God. And anytime you're spending time reading your word, guess what God's doing? He's pulling weeds. He's pulling weeds. He showed me a picture of that. He says, literally, he says, you belong to me. He says, and you are my husbandry. You are my field. He said, every time you read the word, I'm doing two things. I'm either tilling ground so I can sow more, sow more seed or I'm pulling weeds up. And that's what the word of God does. But if you neglect the word of God, if the only time you hear word is, is, is the one time you come to church, uh, then, then what ends up happening is that you have so many weeds, your harvest can't grow. And so I'm going to be talking about being built to last, but I'm going to put a lot of onus back on you because it's one thing for us to teach the word, but we can't teach you enough for you to live on. You've got to learn to eat every day. How hungry would you be if you just ate it when you came to our house on Sunday? I heard a preacher say this one time. He said, most people, watch this, most people feed themselves three hot meals a day. But when it comes to the word of God, they get one cold snack a week. Now, how sickly would you be if you ate one cold snack a week? Really sick, Jordan. And so it's important that you make sure that we see, we see this word as food. That we begin to say, you know what? I am a, I'm a laborer or I'm a co-laborer with God. I can't expect God to do everything. I can't expect God to, to, ch to, to, to change my marriage, to, to make me lose weight, to give me a promotion on my job. I, I can't ask God to do everything. i got to co-labor with him. God, like, I give you grace to lose weight, but can you walk a step? Can you do something? You know, you, you got to do something, you know. I'll I, 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 I restore the relationship. I'll give you the promotion. God says, I'll promote you on your job. Just do one thing for me. Just co-labor with me. Show up on time. Just show up on time. If you will show up on time, I can start to work. But God can't do nothing for you on your job and you late every day. It just doesn't work that way. And then the next verse he says, according to the grace of God, which is given unto me, uh, unto me as a wise master builder. Now, this is the Apostle Paul talking. Now, notice he's equating himself to a master builder. How many of you know that a master builder understands that the very first thing you have to do on any kind of structure is make sure the foundation is solid. If you don't build on a solid foundation, you're going to have issues. Amen? And so he, Paul says, according to the grace of God, which is given unto me, he says, as a wise master builder, notice what he says, I have laid the foundation. He says, and another buildeth thereon. It says, but let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. 
Now, in other words, here's what Paul says. Paul says, because he's talking to the church of Corinthians, but it's like me talking to you today. He says to them, all right, we've been teaching you about Jesus, okay? You know that Jesus is the foundation. He said, you be careful how you build on it, and you be careful to take heed how anybody else builds on it. In other words, he says, you got to learn the word for yourself. So when you hear somebody say something that doesn't align with the word, you don't use that material to build your house. Let me give you a natural example. A natural example, how many know that if you're building a house and, and, and you want to use the best materials you can afford at the time? Amen? I mean, you know, you may start off with laminate, but eventually you build that next house, you want to have some tile. Okay? You may start off with, 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 with something on, on the counter, but you want to eventually get to granite or something else or marble. But watch this. Here's what he says. He says, be careful that you don't use counterfeit material. Because if you use counterfeit material, how many know it may look nice at first? But what's going to happen over time? It's going to wear out. It's going to look cheap. The same thing is true with your faith. Don't get counterfeit faith. Don't get faith that says, oh, I'm going to come and I'm going to believe, I'm going to believe, I'm going to believe. And then when the storm of life comes, you go, oh, well, I ain't going to believe. It's too hard. That's counterfeit faith. Why? Because in the, in the trials of life, it's not going to stick. He says, be careful how anybody else builds upon this foundation. Here's the foundation. God loves you. You are saved. And God is not holding your sins against you. That is the foundation that you got to have. Anything less than that, your faith is going to fluctuate based on whether or not you think God feels good about you or not. How many of you know that it's very easy to talk to someone when you know they like you? Pretty easy, right? You ever had a situation where you come, maybe you, you maybe fell out with somebody, you weren't really sure, you could feel attention, it wasn't really like you, you didn't think you had done nothing wrong, but they was acting funny, ain't that what we say? It wasn't, it wasn't us, it wasn't us, uh -uh. but they was acting funny. You ever had somebody acting funny? Isn't it tough to talk to them? Yes. Because there's tension there. there, there there's tension there. So God wants us to know he has no tension with us. God has no tension with us. So we don't have to be afraid to talk to God. Even if we make mistakes, God doesn't have tension with us. That we don't have to be afraid to ask God questions. I used to, I grew up in the church and they used to always tell me, they said, you ask too many questions. Well, listen, I came to find out God doesn't mind if you ask questions. God, God, God doesn't mind if you say, God, why, why would you ask me to do that? He didn't have a problem explaining that to you. Now, I always tell people that when you're talking to God, there's a manner in which you ought to approach God. You can't be wigging out in your closet talking about, God, you don't understand. No, I don't, I don't talk to God like that. you got to reverence him. But there's nothing wrong with saying, God, you know, I don't get it. To explain to me, I know you know more than I do. You're infinitely more, wisdom, more wise than I am. Why do, what, what should I do? God didn't have a problem explaining that. But if you're afraid of God, what you will do is you will fall back from talking to God and begin to rely on your own senses. And how many know that if you walk by what you can see, and if you walk by what you can hear, you're going to be in a bad situation. Amen? Amen. And so I want you to look at this real quick in the message translation. 1 Corinthians 3, 11 through 15 in the message translation if they have that. And if they don't, I just want to read it to you. It says, let each carpenter who comes on the job. Now watch this. Take care to build on the foundation. He says, remember, there is only one foundation, the one already laid by Jesus Christ. He says, take particular care in picking out your building materials. Now notice that. Take particular care. That's how you're building a house, right? 
Take particular care in picking out your building materials. He said, eventually, I love this, there is going to be an inspection. And how many know when you build a house, eventually there's going to be an inspection? He says, if you use cheap or inferior materials, you are going to be found out. I love this. He says, you're not going to pass inspection. If they tell you you got to have a two by four and you use something else when they do the inspection, he says, you're not going to pass inspection. Now, we're talking about building our faith. If you're not using the God kind of faith, there's going to be an inspection for all of us. And if you're not using the God kind of faith, you're going to be found out. Notice what he says after that. He says, take particular care in picking out your building materials. Eventually, there's going to be an inspection. If you use cheap or inferior materials, you're going to be found out. He said the inspection will be what? Thorough and what? Those are the trials of life he's talking about. That, that's why you got to tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, being a Christian does not exempt you from life's challenges. Oh, we all going to get an inspection. We all going to have a test. We're all going to have some trials. We're all going to have some temptations. The question is, what material did you use to build your faith? Because whatever material you use, that's what's going to determine whether you pass the inspection or not. Notice this. He says, you won't get by with a thing. There's not one thing you're going to be able to get by with. There's going to be a thorough and a rigorous inspection of your life. Life is going to come to test you. You say, oh, pastor, I got faith. Good, because an inspection is going to come. That is, it's going to come. The issue is not whether or not I'm afraid of the inspection. It's what material did I use? If, if you build a building and you build it to code, you have nothing to worry about when the inspectors come. But if you built your building and you steal electricity from your neighbor, you didn't build your own pole out there, how many of you know they're going to find you out? They're going to be like, no, this don't pass inspection. And not just that, if you don't do it correctly, the inspector, I love what this next part says. Watch this. He says, you won't get by with a thing. He says, if your work passes inspection, what? Fine. If, if your faith passes inspection, it's supposed to. You believe in God for healing in your body, and you're sick, and you go to the doctor, the doctor says, you know what, we can't find whatever it was that was in there a month ago. It's, it's totally gone. Fine. That's what it's supposed to happen. My faith works. But notice what he says. If it doesn't, he says, your part of the building will be what? And you're going to have to do what? Now, I love this. I love this. He says, it's going to be tough. See, that's the reason people live in cycles. Do you get it? It's the reason that things are good. And things are going good. Things are going good. Inspection comes. Oh, I failed. Now you got to tear out the wall. Now you got to tear out the drywall. Now you got to take up the tile. Now you got to take up the carpet. Now you got to move the, the load bearing wall. You got to do all these different things because you didn't use the right material. He says, so it's going to be torn out. He says, you're going to have to start all over. But I like this. Watch this. He says about us, though, because God ain't mad at us. He says, but you, as an individual, what? You won't be torn out. You won't be torn out. He says, you'll survive. But how? Barely. I promise I didn't make that up. I promise I didn't make that up. Don't look at the message translation. I laughed so hard when I saw it. They said, barely. Barely. I'm telling you. It's, I thought, you know what? God has a sense of humor. I 
I was reading that message translation, I was like, man, that is so good. But it's so true, though, because here's the thing. How many of you know there have been times where you were believing for something, but you know that you weren't really built up in faith the right way? The thing fell apart, and you thought you were going to lose your whole life. You thought everything was going to go crazy. You lost your job. You lost your whatever it is you lost. And you, at the end of the day, you didn't die. You, all that stuff went away, but you survived. Now, some of you can testify. Barely. You thought you was going to die. You thought you was going to lose your mind, but you survived because God is utterly in love with you, and he's not going to let you die. He's not going to let you succumb. But what you will have to do is start building all over again. I want to help you get your faith so you can be built to last. So that when your faith is tried, when the inspection comes, you can make it. Amen? Let's go to Luke chapter 6, verse 47. Say, I am, I am building my faith, building my faith. On, a sure on a sure foundation. Amen. Luke chapter 6, verse 47, it says, whosoever cometh to me. This is the Lord talking. He says, whoever comes to me and hears my sayings, that's his word. He says, and doeth them, he says, I'm going to show you who that man is like. He is like a man who built his house. Notice this whole, this whole theme about building again. He says, and he dig deep, and he laid the foundation on a rock. In other words, he says, he says I'm, I'm going to show you a picture of two people. He says, the first one comes to me, he hears me, and he does what I say. He said, this man is like a man who begins to build a house, and the first thing he does is he digs deep into the ground. And when he digs deep into the ground, he finds a solid bedrock. He finds a place that's solid, that can't be moved. He says, and he builds his house there. It says, and when the flood arose, say, say, say trials of life, the storm came and it beat vehemently upon that house. But watch this, it could not what? Shake it. Why? For it was founded upon a rock. If your faith is founded upon a rock, if your faith is founded upon a, on, a, on the foundation of Jesus Christ, yes, storms are going to come, but your house won't be destroyed. Your house of faith won't be destroyed. Amen? And so, the, and, and now look, he shows us the next person, next verse. He then says to us in verse 49, it says, but he that heareth and what? That's why I said you got to partner with God. It's not just about hearing. You got to hear in. It says, but he that heareth and doeth not, he is like a man that without a foundation built a house upon the earth. It says, against which the storm did beat vehemently, and immediately, what happened to the man's house? It fell. And what? The ruin of that house was what? It was a total loss. One translation says it was a, to it was a, it was a total loss. It was a total loss. Why? Because he built his house on something that wasn't solid. That's why I tell you, I know that we live in Northwest Arkansas. We're a place where people have great jobs. And we were talking about this last night at one of the banquets, and I was talking to some people. I was saying, you know, Northwest Arkansas is almost like a different state within Arkansas. It really is. And praise God for it. Praise God for the opportunities it affords us who live here, and those who come from all over who get jobs here. But understand something. Your job cannot be your source. You say, oh, I work for Walmart. Walmart has layoffs. I work for Tyson. Oh, Tyson's had layoffs. Understand, if you build your house up on the earth, Come on. then immediately when the storm comes, you're going to have a great ruin. I'm not saying you shouldn't have a job. You should. I'm not saying you shouldn't take care of your family. You should. I'm saying to you that you've got to have something that's greater than just that. Because there are people, listen, you can't build your life 
up on your spouse. Amen? Pastor Sean and I, we, we talk about this sometimes when we go out to Maryland to the marriage conference. We say all the time, she is not designed to be everything I need. I am not designed to be everything she needs. And if she tries to make me be everything she needs, and if I try to make her be everything I need, we'll kill each other. God is where I'm supposed to be building my foundation. She's material. See, the foundation is God. Everything else you build to build a house is material. My job's material. My spouse is material. My church family's material. All those things are good, but I use it to build the house. If I try to build the house with, with the material and it's not on the foundation, eventually a storm's going to come. And when a storm comes, the Bible says, this is Jesus talking. He says, the ruin of the house is going to be great. Amen? So tell your neighbor, say, neighbor. Say, you need to choose to build your house on a solid foundation. Now let's look at Psalms 11. Psalms 11. Why is building on a solid foundation so important? I told Pastor Sean, I was praying last week. And the Lord said, he said this to me, and I'm sharing it with you. People who know me know I don't, I, I, don't, I don't go around saying I'm a prophet and all those kind of things. I don't. What I do know is there are times that God speaks to me that I hear him so clearly that I, that, that I know it's him, and every time it's happened, it's come to pass. Every single time it's come to pass. The Lord said to me, the Lord said, there's going to come a time in America very soon where there's going to be such calamity, and not like storms and things like that, but there's going to be such economic upheaval. He said people are going to be flocking to churches, not even for singing in, in the mimes and in, in the dead. He said they're just going to be standing in line to hear word. Because it is the word of God that's going to get you out of those situations. It's the word. Listen, you can go to a place, but if you don't go to a place and absorb the word, you're no better off than when you left. I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I heard music at, at, at the Black Alumni Society, but that didn't change my life. It's just music. Nothing wrong with it. Good music. They play some tone low. You know, that's old school. <laughs> you know, I mean, they, they, they had some good stuff going to old school party. But, but at the end of the day, the word of God is what I got to put in my heart. It's the thing that's going to change me. And it ain't about me being cool. It ain't about me being this or being that. Everybody needs the word. I don't care. I don't care your gender. I don't care your race. I don't care what, what job you have or don't have. You need the word of God. Amen. Amen. The Bible says in Psalms 11 and 3, it says, if the foundation be what? What can the? You're righteous. He says, if the foundation is destroyed, though, what can you do? Nothing but the exact same thing that everybody in the world does, which is hope and pray that it goes, hope and believe, hope and hope that, it, that everything goes right. Living in fear that, 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 that if something goes wrong, you're going to lose everything. Listen, when you serve God, you have no reason to believe you're going to lose everything. Why? Because he says he's going to give us peace. Nothing missing, nothing broken. Amen? So our faith is like a house. It must be built on a strong foundation. It is, if it is ever going to stand the test of time through the storms and trials that are surely to come, take your neighbor and say, you will have trials. You're going to have them. They're going to come. Why? Because you and I have an adversary. You and I have an adversary. And, it's, and, and, and for us to think that we don't, we, 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 we fool ourselves. The devil is hell-bent on causing your failure. He cannot stop you from going to heaven if you're already saved, but he can make hell on earth for you while you're here. 
And so you have to make sure, you have to make sure that you are in a place where you are hearing the word so that your faith can be built up. Faith foundation is, is the word of God. Say, my faith, my faith comes, comes from the word of God. You cannot build a great faith life without the word of God. It simply cannot be done. I encourage you, whether you're reading your word, because I know when I first started off, reading the word wasn't easy for me. It just wasn't. Reading the word wasn't easy. To sit down, to open the Bible, I didn't know where to read, I didn't know where to start. Listen to word. There are times even now that I don't necessarily read my Bible, uh, say, for an hour, but I may put a tape in of somebody. I may listen to Bill Winston. I may listen to Pastor Dollar. I may listen to Pastor Tony. I listen to Kenneth Coleman. I listen to somebody who's going to teach something that I can eat on. Because even as a pastor, I got to eat. Even as an evangelist, you got to eat. As an apostle, you got to eat. As a parishioner, you got to eat. Everybody has to eat. And so you got to spend time in the word eating. And that don't always mean just reading the word, but you got to be hearing. How many know whatever you hear gets into your heart? In fact, the Bible says it's not what, it's, it's, it's not what goes into a man that defiles him. It's what comes out of him. But the only way it can come out of you is your first what? Got into you. And I think that's so important. we got to spend time in the word. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor. Say, it's important, it's important. to spend time, spend time. With, the word. with the word. Now, the best part about this truth is that the word of God never fails. We read that in Psalms 18, did we not? It says the word of God is proven. The word of God is proven. It is proven to the degree that if God says something, it's going to come to pass. Amen? God made so many promises and not one of them has ever failed. God's success rate is 100%. You can depend on God. In fact, King Solomon understood the power of God's promises. He saw at first hand how the Lord kept his word to his father David concerning the completion of the temple. If you go to 1 Kings 8.56, 1 Kings 8.56, here's what he says. He says, this is Solomon. He's talking. He says, praise be to the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel just as he has promised. He says, not one word, I love this, not one word has what? Failed. Of all the what? That he gave through what? So he went back generations. He says, look, God gave a word generations ago. And not one word of it failed. And here we are seeing the fruition of it. That is how it ought to be for us. We ought to, God ought to give us a word. We ought to live by that word. And our grandkids ought to be able to go, you know what? When God gave grandmama that word, it came to pass. Generations ought to be seeing that. You know, when, you, when you're believing for something, include your kids in it. As a family, let your kids know what you're believing for. Say, hey, here's what we're believing for this month. Here's what we're believing to do. You know, our kids say, we want to go on vacation. Great. It's a great opportunity to use your faith. You want to go on vacation? Let's see how, how bad you want to go. Okay? Let's see, if you, let's see if you make your confession without me telling you to make your confessions about it. Let's see if you believe for it. You know, and, 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 and you got to teach them. Because if you don't teach people how to use their faith, they never use it. Amen? Notice God's own word. He says, praise be to the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel just as he promised. Not one word, not one word, not one word from God is ever going to fail. But that's the difference. you got to know that the word came from God. How many of you know there are sometimes you want to do stuff? You, you want to do it. And so, be honest, you make God say yes. 
<laughs> you want to. You want to do something. You want to do something. And so what you do is you make God say yes. You're like, you know what? I really, 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 really want to go so-and-so this weekend. And some people, I don't know. You know, ah, yeah, Lord, should I go? Yeah, thank you, Lord. <laughs> we all been there. Because you want God to say yes. But so 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 but watch this. God is not obligated to uphold what you conjecture. He's only obligated to hold what he says. So if God says this is going to happen, if God says that's going to happen, then it's up to you to make sure that at that time you got the word from God. Too many times people are making God say stuff. You know, people are making God say whatever they want to say. But here, King Solomon was saying, hey, look, not one word uh, from God has failed of all of his good promises. So if God makes you a promise, you can stand on it. Amen. But it's got to be a word from God. Number, let's look at Numbers 23 and 19. Numbers 23 and 19. We said this earlier. Let's say it again. Say, God, God is not, is not mad. So many people think God is mad. God is not mad. God is not angry. The Bible says he poured all of his wrath out on Jesus. And Jesus bore all of his wrath for us. We do not have to be afraid of God. Amen? So when God makes us a promise, we know God's not tricking us. The Bible says in Numbers 23, 19, it says what? God is not a man. Let's read it together. What? That he should lie, neither the son of man, that he should repent. Have he said, and shall he not do it? Or have he spoken, and shall he not make it good? In other words, if God made you a promise, name one time God made God made you a promise and it didn't come to pass. Now you can name a lot of times you made you a promise. You promised yourself you was going to go to the gym. Start January 1. See, we make ourselves promises all the time. But the Bible says that when God makes a promise, God is not like us. God is not a man. God doesn't lie. If God said something that didn't exist, the moment he says it, it now exists. So, so, so if God says to you the job is yours, the HR director can't stop you from having it. Oh, see, now, now, now we get to deal with your level of faith. But the HR director is the one who hires. But God is the one who turns the heart. So if God says it's yours, you can't allow your thought processes to say, well, God lied. No, God never lies. You just have to make sure that what you're hearing is from God and not something you have conjured for yourself. Amen? Now notice this. One of the promises of God is found in Romans 10.13. So let's look at Romans 10.13. Romans 10.13 says this. It says, for whosoever, say, I am... A whosoever. It says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That word saved means delivered. It says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That word saved there means delivered. It doesn't just mean going to heaven. So when you, so a promise from God, we say God is not a man that he should lie, right? So if I call upon God, I'm going to be what? Delivered. We're going to do that one again. God is not a man that he should lie. So if I call upon God, I'm going to be delivered. delivered. Now, the question becomes, do you believe? Because the Bible says 
all things are possible to him that so God says I'm not a man that I shall lie and if you call upon me I'm going to deliver you so that's where your faith has to be rooted your faith has to be rooted in the fact that when I call upon the name of the Lord the Lord hears me and he delivers me it's not this idea of I'm going to call upon the name of the Lord and wait and see what he does I'm going to ask God to bless me and I'm going to wait around and see whether he blesses me or not. And then based on what happens is how I'm going to respond. That's not faith. That's not faith. It doesn't take faith to see this wall. Can you see this wall? You can see it. It doesn't take faith. None of you exercised faith when you came in and sat down in those chairs. You know why? Because your natural senses told you that if you come in and you sit down in a chair that has four legs, it's on the solid floor, you won't fall. What if you came in and there were no legs on the chair? They were all just floating. <laughs> Natural senses, that's exactly what's going to happen to you. But what if the Lord told you to sit there? Now let's just be honest. Come on, y'all ain't got to be deep. Let's say the Lord told you to sit there. Some of y'all like, I'll sit there, but you got to go first. Why? Because faith supersedes your natural senses. Faith, faith doesn't deal with your natural senses. If you can see it, if you can taste it, you can smell it, you can touch it, you can hear it, those are your natural senses. God gave you that so you can survive in this world. Faith is not of this world. Faith is supernatural. And so you have to be able to believe in those things that you can't see. Like when we started talking this morning, and I was kind of being a little flippant, and I said, you believe in, in this man who was born of a virgin? Yeah, it took faith to believe that. Because you can't see that. I could challenge any of you right now and say, prove it to me. And the only thing you'd have to say is, I saw it in the Bible. That's the only way you can prove it. It's the only way you can prove it. They've been trying to prove where Jesus' tomb was. They've been trying to prove where the Garden of Eden was. They've been trying to prove all these things. But they're trying to do it with their natural senses. Jesus says, those things that I ask you to do, you're not going to be able to perceive them with your natural senses. In fact, he says, the carnal mind works against the spiritual mind. He says, they're enemies one of another. So if God is telling you to do something, it's something you can't see, but the only way you will ever do it is if you can see it, you will never do it unless you can see it. But if you can see it, it's not really of God. What did he tell Thomas? When Thomas said, Lord, I believe it is you who was raised from the dead if I can but what? Touch the nail print in your hand and if I can touch the open place in your, in your, in your, in your side. And, and we all know Thomas, what's Thomas? We, we all know Thomas, when we call him in church, we call him Doubting Thomas. Now, why was Thomas doubting? Because he had to have his senses to confirm it. God tells you he's going to heal you. You got to have your senses to confirm it? Doubting. God tells you he's going to get you out of debt. You got to have your senses to confirm it? Doubting. God says he's going to restore your relationship. You got to have your senses to confirm it? Doubting. Everything that you have to have your senses for is doubting when it comes to the kingdom of God. Nobody says, oh, I'm going to believe Jesus when I get to heaven. <laughs> Nobody says that. Why? Because you ain't going to get there if you got to wait to believe it. 
So we know how to use our faith. Amen? Look at your neighbor and say, you know how to use your faith. Tell them, you know how to use your faith. You do. You know how to use your faith. You got born again using your faith. Now, the Bible says this in Hebrews 11 and 1. It, it, it says in Hebrews 11 and 1, it, it uses the word title deed. Say title deed. It says, it, it basically says it like this. Um, it says, now faith is the assurance. It's the confirmation or the title deed of the things we hope for. Watch this. Being the proof, I love that, of things we do not what? See. The proof. How can we have proof of something we don't see? Faith. Faith is the thing that gives us proof of what we can't see. So when someone says, hey, wait a minute, Pastor Strickland, you have four college degrees. How in the world are you believing in something you can't see? Because I believe it through faith. I don't have to have my intellect or my senses. My soul has nothing to do with me believing. My soul is for me to operate in this realm. My faith is for me to operate in the spiritual realm. And so it says, now faith is my assurance. It is the confirmation or the title deed of things we hope for being the proof of things we do not see and the conviction of their what? Reality. Anybody got a conviction of Jesus' reality? You got it through faith. The only, way you believe, the only way you believe in Jesus is through faith. The only way you believe. That's why when people say, when, you know, people say, well, I don't, I, don't, I don't believe in God. You know, put them in an airplane and turn the airplane off. First thing, oh, God, well, wait a minute. Oh, you didn't believe in God. See, the reality of it is, is that we know there's something other than us out there. We know it's something more. Our faith tells us that for us who are believers, it's Jesus, and that we connect to Jesus, and through him, the reality is whatever he says we have, we have it whether we can see it or not. Do me a favor. Say this. Say, I am... Healed. Healed. Totally. totally. In my body. You got it right now. You got it right now. Sickness, it, even sickness in your body who, who hadn't physically manifested yet, is trembling when you say that. Because it's your conviction of your reality. Whatever you believe in is what you put all your weight on. Whatever you believe in is what you put your weight on. If you don't believe in a particular mission or vision, at your job or whatever it is, nonprofit you 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 volunteer for. If you don't believe in it, how many know you're not putting all your weight on it? We was talking the other day about you know people being in fraternities and sororities. Nothing wrong with that. But I even know a lot of times people in fraternities and sororities, and after their initial membership is up, that's it for them. I mean, they wear the letters and stuff all the time, you know. But they don't keep paying their money. They ain't financial. They don't keep paying their money to the organization. Why? Because the reality of it is they're not putting their weight on their Greek letters. And so whatever you don't put your weight on, you don't pay that much attention to. Amen? It's why people can come to church so casually. Don't put any weight on that. It's like, oh, man, you know, I did two times this Sunday. I mean, this month. I did two times this month. I said, you know, that's 50-50. That's pretty good. And so, and so people don't put their weight on it. And so they, because they don't put any weight on it, it's easy to dismiss. Anything you don't put weight on, you dismiss it. Amen? But how many know you ain't just dismissing your kids? Watch this. Your kids won't let you dismiss them because their reality, watch this, because their reality is I have to put my weight on you because I need you to survive. Oh, that's good. So if we, if we ever get to the place where we say, God, I need you to survive, your reality becomes everything and you'll put all your weight on him. 
The problem is a lot of people don't really think they need God to survive. Why? I got a good job. Make six figures. I'm in a nice house, a nice car. I'm moving up in the world. I don't really need all that. Until calamity comes. And then when the inspection comes, all of a sudden, now I need this reality. And the great thing about Jesus is he's always going to be there for us, amen? But you shouldn't have to live your life in cycles. Amen? Now, I want to I mention this as, 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 as I get ready to end for today. There are two things that you have to have if your faith is going to grow. Okay? The Bible tells us that we can always see in the natural and equate it to something in the spiritual. How many of you know that if your body is going to work to its maximum capacity, you have to feed it the right thing? Okay? You can't just eat Twinkies and Ding Dongs and Ho-Hos all your life and think you're going to be all right. You can't drink sweet tea and never drink water. You can't just be eating meat all the time and don't ever eat any vegetables. You've got to eat the right things. If you don't eat the right things, you're going to stall your body out. It may not happen today. It may not happen next week or next month or even next year. But eventually down the road, you're going to contaminate your system so bad that it's not going to function anymore. Okay? So you got to eat the right thing. How many know that you also have to exercise? You do. Now, maybe you ain't got to do the 50 reps and you shredding and all that other kind of stuff, but you got to move. You got to move. You have to have some activity. You know, there is a, and I'm, 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 I'm saying this because my grandmother just celebrated her, what, 90, 93rd birthday? Uh, and it wasn't until maybe, you know, 10 years ago or so that she really kind of stopped moving. But when she stopped moving, she really started to age a lot more. Now, there's another man who's a bishop in Little Rock. He's 93, but he's still preaching and moving around, and, and they're the same age. What's the difference? I really believe it's because one kept moving and the other didn't. And so if you don't eat the right thing and you don't exercise, you limit the, the potential your body can do. That's the natural. Well, the same thing is true where your faith is concerned. Okay? Let's go back to that. You got to feed your faith. And you got to feed it the right thing. I'm not one of those people who are anti everything. I'm not, listen, I'm not, I'm not anti music other than gospel music. I think there's some music that's just disrespectful and you shouldn't listen to, but, but, but it's, some of it's just garbage. But, but, but there's, there's other music. It, it just really is. It really is. Some of it's just garbage. Uh, and they're pushing it at our kids because they want to dummy them down and, and make them think differently about themselves. But I'm like, I'm like everything ain't got to be Mahalia Jackson. You know, everything ain't, everything, everything ain't, everything ain't got to be, be, you know, be gospel music in order for it to be good music. I'm not anti that. I'm not anti television shows. I'm anti you getting caught up in television shows. You know, when you start walking around acting like Cookie, you're not Cookie. You are not Cookie, okay? Let me help you. Cookie is a character. You are not Cookie, all right? Now, I like, you know, you're not Stevie J, all right? You, you are not Stevie J. You are not that cool, all right? Those are, those are people who are playing characters on television. I'm not anti television. But watch this, if that's all you feed yourself, if you're watching Jerry Springer and Maury Povich and you're watching all those all day long and you're watching Empire, you're watching Scandal, How to Get Away with Murder and American Crime, I just see these things come on TV. If you spend, if you, if you spend all your time, why? If you spend all your time watching that stuff and don't spend any time with the word, you're going to become what you behold. Yes. 
You're going to become what you behold. So you're going to be at work and your boss is going to say something to you. You're going to have a cookie yeah. flashback. And you're going to be going to talk to your boss like Cookie be talking to the, to the lion guy. You can't do that. So, so you got to feed yourself. That means that if I'm going to spend a couple hours a day watching television, I at least ought to spend an hour, uh, half of that time or equal to that time in the Word. Now, I know you got to work. I know you got kids. Kids got activities. I get that. But you, again, how many hours in a day is it? It never sneaks up on you. It, 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 it doesn't change. It ain't going to be like, oh, dog, today was just 22 hours. It's not going to happen that way. So you know how many hours it's going to be. So you just got to plan. You got to feed yourself. How many of you take time to eat? You do. I, 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 I love people. People are so funny. They wake up in the morning and they go, ooh, I wonder what's for dinner. You ain't ate breakfast yet. <laughs> but you already thinking about tonight. <laughs> you know, and so it's, it, we, we plan. We plan what we're going to eat, right? Because that's important to us. Same thing ought to be true for the word. You ought to be saying this week, all right, how much, you know, who, who am I going to listen to this week? What am I going to study this week? You know, what am I going to pray about this week? You ought to be making a plan because if you plan and you have a good eating plan, you get maximum health in your body. Well, if you get a good eating plan for your spirit, man, you have a maximum capacity where your faith is concerned. Okay? Then the second thing we talked about, we talked about exercise, right? Got to exercise the body. You got to exercise your faith. You, when, you, when you exercise, they say that basically what's happening is you're ripping the muscles and they're repairing themselves. You're ripping them and they're repairing themselves. You're ripping them and they're repairing themselves. And that sounds painful and it seems counterproductive, but what happens is they're really getting stronger. Well, the same thing is true with your faith. You can't take your faith and put it in your pocket just be, oh, I got a pocket full of faith. And you walk around like this with a pocket full of faith. You got to use your faith. You got to exercise it. So how do I exercise my faith? Every day, I take an opportunity to believe God for something. I believe God for something I can't do for myself. Something this easy. You go to Walmart. You know you're going around 5 o'clock. Everybody getting off. You know folks didn't do no grocery shopping because it was Black Alumni Weekend. Ain't nobody grocery shopping, okay? So you know it's going to be packed, okay? Believe God for a parking space up front. Just say, you know what? Say, Father, I thank you. Y'all looking at me like I'm crazy. Say, little things will build your faith. Yes. Say, Lord, I thank you that when I get to Walmart, it's going to be a parking space up front, and it ain't going to be the handicapped one. Because you can't be parking in the handicapped, talking about his faith, when you ain't got no tag. Because you know how we do. We'll call stuff faith when it ain't faith. So you can't be like, all right, I'm parked right here. You can say, Lord, I thank you that when I get there, it's going to be a parking space. And, and, you, and you drive, and you believe when you get there. And don't panic when you first don't see one. Because that's what happens with your faith sometimes. You're believing God for something, and then you see something in the natural, and you go, oh, my gosh, and you lose your faith. If you don't see a car, just be careful. Just look, and before you know it, you'll see them back lights. Er, and there you go. That car back out, you'll get that parking space, you'll be sprinting up in Walmart talking about how your faith doesn't work. What? <laughs> and then what happens, you'll be able to believe God for other things. And, and, and the Bible says we go from level to level and from glory to glory. So start where you are. You know, don't, 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 don't set yourself up for failure. You know, you go home today, you're like, I'm believing God to be the next, to, to be wealthier than Bill Gates by in the morning. Now, come on now. Uh, you know, it could happen. It could happen. But, but can you believe to that level? So your, 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 your believing has to you, have to, you have to, you have to get yourself where you are on your believing. But you got to exercise your faith if you're having challenges in your body. Okay? Let's say you got knee problems. Let's say you got an elbow problem. Let's say you've been having headaches. Let's say you, you have high blood pressure, whatever. Why don't you just believe God 
to see the manifestation of your healing. Let's say that every morning you get up, it takes you five extra minutes because your knee hurt. Well, before you go to bed, pray and believe. When I get up in the morning, my knee's going to be fine. And when you get up in the morning, swing that knee out there. Do what you couldn't do before. Don't wake up and come out, let me see if it's going to work. you got to have an expectation, an expectation. And if you have expectation, I'm telling you, it will build your faith. Amen? It'll build your faith. So you got two things you can practically do this week. You can feed yourself the right thing where the Word of God is concerned, and you can exercise your faith. And if you'll do those two things, you'll come back here next week, and I'm telling you, you'll be more built up than when you were this week. And then, and then, and then we'll, and I, we got some other things we'll talk about next week, because you can do those things, and before you know it, your faith will be built. Amen? Now, this is not magic. I don't want you to think this is magic. This is, this is not some hocus-pocus. This is about you partnering with God. It's about you saying, this is what God has said in his word. I believe God's word enough to do my part. That's all God asks of you. He didn't ask you to do his part. The problem is sometimes we're trying to do God's part, and that's why we're messing it up. He just wants you to do your part. As It's funny, we call ourselves believers. You know what the job of a believer is? To believe. <laughs> that really is. The job of a believer is just to believe. So write down in your notebook, ask yourself, talk to your spouse, do whatever you got to do, and say, what can we believe for this week? What can we believe for? It didn't always have to be you getting something. You can say, Lord, I believe this week you're going to put somebody in my path who I can help. See, a lot of times people don't think about it in those terms. They just kind of think about what I can get from God. But, but God puts you here. Remember the Bible says you are his husbandry. You are his field. He's sowing seeds into your life. Sometimes God is sowing seeds into your life so you can be a blessing to other people. So in this week, say, Lord, I just, I, I want to be sensitive to you. I want to be open to what you have to say. If you tell me to buy somebody, you may be standing in line, and the Lord says, hey, buy that person in front of you, a person behind you, buy their lunch. Most of the time, we'd be like, I rebuke the devil in GN. No, you don't have to, it ain't always rebuking when the Lord asks you to give something. Isn't, isn't that amazing, Chris? I mean, if the Lord says somebody buy, buy you a lunch, you're like, hey, Father, I thank you, Lord. But the Lord said, pay for somebody, so devil, I rebuke you. No, no. It's, that's not how it works. That's not how it works. So make sure you spend this time hearing God. Hearing God, amen? Because, because the Bible says this in Romans 10, 17. It says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Okay, That's how faith comes. Here's how confidence comes. By hearing God. Hearing the voice of God. When you, when you get a chance to hear God's voice, it gives you confidence. That's how Abraham was able to leave his family. Think about that. Abraham grew up in a polytheistic environment where they had hundreds of gods. And then all of a sudden, this one singular God says to him, come out from among your family to a place where I'm going to show you. Can you imagine the dialogue he had to have with his family when they told him he was leaving? He says, I'm going to follow this one God. It would be almost like if you, the opposite. If you went and told your family, and I'm going to follow these hundred gods. They had you committed. Because it was so foreign. But Abraham had faith. And he followed after God. And as a result, the Bible says, he's the father of our faith. And so you're going to have to take a radical step. You're going to have to exercise your faith. And you're going to have to eat the right stuff. Okay? So enjoy your TV shows, enjoy your movies, enjoy your music, but don't neglect God. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Don't neglect God.
Don't let niggas act like God. You know, I, I'm, I, I think if you try to put people in this thing where you're trying to make people study the word 15 hours a day and, and people aren't used to that, people go, they're just going to leave. Listen, God can do more for you in a word than you could do than, he, than if you read your Bible all week long. If you'll get yourself in a position to hear God, God will say something to you. It, I mean, it'll change your whole life. It didn't take God all day. Because I truly believe the Bible is still being written. Not that Bible, but the Bible that lives in your heart. There are things God's saying to you individually on a daily basis that are still being written. Now, that's our guide. This is really our foundation. But God's given us other material to build on. And so we have to make sure we're doing it. Amen? Amen. So what two things can you do this week? You can feed yourself the right food, and you can exercise your faith. And if you do those two things, I'm telling you, you're going to be rocking it. Man, amen. God bless you, Pastor Sean. You want to come?